As I walked on through Chatham Street, a fair maid I did meet. She asked me to see her home, she looked in bleak, straight to me away. Sandy, my dear Annie, oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan and Johnny Kennedy. We put up a load of lights. We brought in good DJs. DJs on seven nights a week. We got a lot of colleges in. And then, you know, just one night, girls started dancing on the bar. And I would say, like a light switch, it just took off like that. In this week's podcast, we speak to Michael McNamee, the co-owner of the iconic Mean Fiddler Bar on Times Square that closed last year. The bar had become a popular haunt for tourists and Irish people living in New York because of its late bar disco team, loose atmosphere and Irish hospitality. After negotiations with the landlord fell through, Michael announced the closure of the bar in October after 15 years in business. Michael talks to us in depth about the saga and exclusively reveals that he is back in talks with the landlord and the bar might be reopening soon. While Michael is synonymous with his ownership of the Mean Fiddler, his first ever bar, he also co-owns five other bars in the city. The Three Monkeys, Tanner Smith's, Dutch Fred's, Vida Verde and Haswell Green's. Michael, who is affectionately known as Macker, chats to us openly about the ups and downs of bar ownership, his perseverance in turning the Mean Fiddler into a top Irish bar and the lessons he has learned about business and money. The Dublin native looks back on the hardship bar owners and employees faced over the last year due to COVID and gives us his thoughts on the future of New York City's bar industry. Johnny, the co-owner of the Long Haul Pub and Grocery, gives us an update on reopening also, as well as his new venture, the Westbury. But you'll have to listen through to the end to get that info. We appreciate all feedback, so give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast. And please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you'll be notified about our latest releases. We started off the show by asking Michael about his early years working in the bar industry in New York City. Thanks very much for coming on. You're the, mm-hmm. the toughest guest we've tried to track down to get on, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I know Johnny Kennedy a long time, so... I don't know if there's a little, a couple of minefields ahead here. So that's, yeah, that's Michael, yeah, fuck that. I ain't getting myself in trouble either. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, thanks very much for coming on. So if you wouldn't mind, just we'd like to get a quick background on yourself, where you come from sure. at home yeah. and when you moved to the US. Sure. Yeah. I'm from Dublin. I uh, have strong roots in Kerry and Donegal and little Tyrone Um all the be- probably the best four teams if you t- think about it in football. <laughs> we won't include Cork or Mayo in no, that. No, you know? it's all right. No, it's leave now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, came came here as a twenty-one year old. Um, won't say I was forced out of the house, but I was encouraged out of the house. Uh, came here, um, settled into. Uh, actually, slept on my cousin's couch for about eight months. I was a bus boy. I was a doorman in one of the high-rise buildings, uh, tried painting for a little while, and then I got a bar gig. Uh, from the bar gig, stayed in the same restaurant bar for seven years, and learned a lot, of, a lot there pretty much by myself. Not to say that to be cocky or nothing, but I was left to my own devices. 
my boss who was the owner there, he died um, pretty much within a year of me working there. His son took over and, you know, his son, his head wasn't in the game for a couple of years after losing his father pretty okay. soon. So I was left to run the bar on my own. Um, so What bar was that, Michael? It was actually an American bar called Figaro's. So very un- unique Irish bartender in an Italian restaurant slash pizzeria. Um, but listen, it was a great, great bar for me to work in. Um, there was no bar backs there back in the day. I don't know if you know what a bar back is, Michael. Do you? No, I don't know. So it's, it's I'd imagine basic, a lot of people wouldn't. It's basically for yeah. fancy bartenders that don't want to do the extra work like type of thing, you know, on a really high end of joint. But like just on a side, I used to go into it for lunch. And when he says it's a bar back, like the bar back is normally supposed to go get your ice, go get to the food, go get to the stuff. They All used right. to have this open, they used to have this open span kitchen in the restaurant. So here's Mike as the bartender. And he'd look into the kitchen and, you know, he, I say this a hundred times. And there he is in making a pizza, right? But Michael, it was open span. There was the stairs that went all the way up here. All the kitchen lads were sitting on the stairs with the boss, all having their lunch, having the crack. And here's the bartender in behind the bar making a pizza. He's running around doing all this. And I was looking up at the boss. Like, I know he says his head wasn't in the game. I don't know if his head is still in the fucking game, that fella. Anyway, we won't. In case Derek Walters listened to this, we won't say too much. <laughs> I, when when did you come over or initially, Michael? When were you 21? I'd be revealing your age. Oh, would you come over in the 90s, was it? Oh, it has to be in the 2000. Yeah, 2000. 2000 <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Wasn't the 80s, like, was it? Let, let's say no. mid, mid-90s. It was after the World Cup. That's what oh, I'll right. say. Okay. It was, a, it was after the World Cup in the, in the States, you know? Okay. You came over for yeah, the no, World Cup and you never went it, home. No, I, I didn't make it over for the World Cup. I wish I had, but I didn't make it over. And I came over in April of that year. So okay. you're talking 20, 25 years ago. Okay. And uh, the scene back then was very different. It, it, was, it was a better scene for bartenders, you know, and the reason being is cash, you know, and there was no credit cards back then. So if you were smart with your money, and I worked five days a week. I pretty much went in at 10 o'clock in the morning. I got out at 12 o'clock at night. Um, daytime, then happy hour, bartender, you could call it. But you're able to save your money. And, um, you know, nowadays, nowadays with the credit cards, and I, it's, it's one thing that I really have, uh, I don't like is that, you know, they're taxed on it. Every time you, you, you leave a tip on a credit card, the government gets 50% of that. <clears throat> so every time you tip... On a credit card, there's a tax. The, the tip is Auto, taxed, au- it? Automatically, your bartender is ah. paying 50%, 50% tax on that. All right. Automatically. Okay. Automatically. Just, 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 so just okay. so you know yourself, if you're yeah. going into a bar, it's, it's fine to pay yeah. with a credit card. Yeah. But if you can leave a cash tip, it's always nicer. Huge. And, and tell me this, lads. It's one thing that I, I think we talked about this before, Johnny Ramos, after forgetting. Are you supposed to tip the 20% on the full amount or before tax? I always do the full, all right? And a guy who always yeah. told us, Laura's boss, you saw, was in Austria before tax. And I'd be yeah. just like 20%. And then I'd kind of look at some of the different places and some of them, you know, the way they'd add on automatically show you how much to tip. And some places would automatically generate yeah. the tip with the tax and then some without. Yeah. We see some would say to you, oh, just double the tax and blah, blah, blah. But if you're drinking at a bar in New York City and you're sitting at the bar and drinking, 
there ain't going to be any tax on it. Realistically, there's not a, it's only food and if you're at a table, like 20% pretty much over the top. But as Michael says, it's kind of ruined it all a little bit now. There is the flip side. We did say it last week, Mike, we were talking about this. Now, when you, like, I know we'll, we'll get to you, your bars in a second, but any new bar starting now, you pretty much put it through the payroll straight away. You remember when you and I started, you would get your tips, Mike, at the end of the night, and then you say you'd add up all the credit cards, and let's say it was $300. You would take that 300 out of the cash register, put it into your till. But because there was an influction of cash, there was loads of cash to take it out. The boss never minded. But when that started getting less and less, then the boss was like, you're taking out that cash. Now he's to regenerate that cash somewhere. And then she would be great. You go down to do your taxes in March and you'd be down in one of the place down in Greenpoint Avenue and you wouldn't say you owe the taxman 10 grand and you'd be like, where the fuck did that come out of? Whereas yep. now a little bit, they take it off the top. Structurally, Mike, Michael McNamee, it's, it, it actually, it, for the people that wouldn't have been as good with money as such, this system is good for them in a way. It keeps them more structured. But as you say, it kind of rules out the attraction of going into a bar job. The attraction, the attraction was the cash. And you know what? Even more so, Mike, Mike, me, it was more part-time workers, people that were working. So I knew I worked with girls in sidetracks who were yeah. either mothers where their husband was working and they used to go bar, they'd go waitress two nights a week, but they were getting cash. So it was a great result. It ruled out all of them. There was no point in them doing it anymore. It, it took away that sort of side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, you were, you were working there so for seven years for you. And, um, where, did you always have in the back of your head that you'd open a bar or was it a matter of of just learning? No, you... no, no I always had it in my head. Always. Yeah. Uh, my father was a bartender all his life. Um, bartended in Dublin, bartended in New York. So in the back of my head, you know, there's, I, I suppose everybody has a niche in life, right? <clears throat> and my niche in life probably in the back of my head always was I love people, you know, and I have a great patience with people. And but I, you know, it was I was always driven to open my own bar, and I, I never realized it until I speak to old friends now, and they say, "Jesus, Mac, are you always used to say you're going to open a bar?" And I never believed you were going to open a bar, you know, but you did, you know. So, and, and I suppose I was always driven to do that, yeah. you know. And um, I took a risky gamble when I was about 26, and I put all my money into the stock market, and uh, let's say it was a six-figure number, and I lost it all. Whoa. After I lost, yeah, it was a, listen, I was given a tip. The, the, guy, the, guy, the guy told me put $5,000 in. I just saw dollar signs. You know, I put the 100 in. That 100 became 500 within five days. Do you think I took it out? No, I didn't. Uh, within a week, that had crashed because the, the new company took it over, did the books, and the auditor found all irregularities, and that company went bust. So, from having a six-figure number, I was left with $7,000. So that set me back, but uh, it probably made me more resilient. Um, I was working in Figaro's. I took a second job at the time. So I ended up working six, seven days for about two years. And within that time frame, I was able to save my money back up. Again, we're going back to what I was just saying about credit card and cash. <clears throat> you had the ability, if you wanted to work seven days a week, you could really, and you weren't spending you're eating in the restaurant. Yeah. You might have a drink or two after you finish your shift and you go home. And listen, you'd have a one, maybe one blowout night. That's all I did for two, three years until I'd saved enough money up. And um, I was looking around for bars. And I left Figaro's after seven years. 
I went to McCann's in the Port Authority after that. No, I went to Scruffy Duffy's after that. Scruffy, yeah. yeah. I went to Scruffy Duffy's after that. At the time, that was the busiest bar in Manhattan, uh, pound for pound. Um, first kind of sports bar, unique, uh, big TVs, yeah. sound on sound on for the TVs. It was very unique in, in the town. Um, so everybody loved going there. And there was always a great atmosphere in the place. Uh, had a mix of tourists, corporate and bartenders. And it was busy seven nights a week. Didn't make a difference. If it was a Sunday or Monday night. You were yeah. still making, you were still making, you know, big money back then. And so I uh, did a year, just over a year in there. Then went to McCann's for a couple of years. And, um, you know, always looking at the papers, but nothing ever popped out at me. And back then it was actually the papers, Michael, you talk about online. So there was nothing online back then. So when you used to look for something, you would look <laughs> at the New York Times or one of those buy and sell uh, papers. So I saw this thing, Times Square location. Oh, this is too good to be true. Uh, and I went and looked at it, you know, it was a, you know, a famous gay bar at the time the mean fiddler was. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that, that's, that was the, my start into, into my career, into being an owner. And you, you, you went into partnership with your brother to buy the mean fiddler. Was it initially? Yeah, or... it was, actually my sister was in New York at the time with me. So it was initially me and her, yeah. um, my brother was in Ireland at the time and I, you know, he had moved home because of the Celtic tiger and all that business. And uh, he was a barman now here for about 18 years before that. Okay. And like a lot of Irish people, like a lot of Irish people and friends of mine and Johnny's moved home around that time. Because listen, Ireland was booming. And we saw, you know, you're looking at Ireland and you're seeing everybody go on five, six trips a year. You're like, yeah, me and Johnny were saying to ourselves, what are we doing living over here? We get two Shopping weeks holidays to New York. <laughs> yeah, we, we get two weeks off <laughs> a year. Yeah. That was <laughs> at, your, at your own cost. And yeah. no sick day and no sick days, you know. Yeah. There's no such thing as a sick day, you know? But, um, yeah, so it was myself and my sister. And then I'd asked one or two lads to get involved. I actually asked, you know, one or two old owners. And um, everybody was pretty negative on the area. And I had my brother in the back of my head. But because he had moved home and his wife was very homesick, I didn't think uh, there was a possibility they would ever move back here. So I actually gave her her a call. And... uh, she said, yeah, listen, we're ready to move back. I'll talk to your brother. And he moved back. And he was my main partner. And uh, my sister was as well. And then my father got sick. So my sister ended up uh, moving back home to take care of him. Okay. And just uh, myself and Johnny have spoken about this on the <clears throat> podcast and off the podcast about, like, he always tells me that your initial jump to go into the bar business actually inspired Johnny to end up buying the long haul a couple of years ago yeah. so it was like you obviously it was a huge risk to take but um it was one that you were determined you know it was your it was your goal in life and you just went for it yeah listen I think uh when you're maybe you're definitely when you're younger you have less fear right so it doesn't make a difference what you do when you're younger but you're, you're definitely more inclined if you have an idea in your head to go for it and the way I looked at it is what's the worst thing that can happen I'm going to fail, right? So if I fail, you know, I can always get another job doing something, whether it's a barman, whether it's yeah. a different career. That was always in the back of my head. You know, you got to try something. If you don't try it, you, yeah. you'll never know. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and like, you, how long ago was it? It was open how many years, uh, Michael? Over a decade, wasn't it? Uh, 15. 15. And you turned that place years. into, I'm only here, here two and a half years and we did COVID for last year, but... When myself yeah. and Laura went in there, she was the first time she went in there up on the table there 
anyone who's been in there, it's just such a spot. Like it's kind of, you know, let the hair down, kind of uh, great music. You see this sawdust thrown on the floor there at 11 o'clock, yeah. you know, the party's on. It was just a great spot. So like, what, what, what was the goal going into? Was it to turn into a kind of a bar like that or did it just kind of evolve into a bar like that? No, no, you know this, because I worked right across the street. Scruffy Duffy's was literally right across the oh, street. Yeah. And everybody used to come into me and say, where can I go to dance? Especially the Irish and the English, the Scots, you know? Mm. And there's nowhere where, unless you go to a nightclub and you're spending a couple of, what, 800 bucks on a bottle of vodka or something. Mm. But you, you know the way the Irish and the English and the Scots are? Yeah. They just want to go into a bar, have a couple of drinks and dance. There's no such thing as a nightclub over here. Mm. You know, like a, like a nightclub at home. You know, where you pay yeah. maybe an admission in and you just buy your drinks, you know? So I knew there was a market there, but you never know. When you open a place, it's still a crapshoot. You know, when we got that place open, uh, we bought it. We bought the place off, off the lady, but it was done over, say, six years. So we had to pay her a monthly installment every month. So she took a gamble on us too, because we, we could have went belly up there on her. But when we opened up there, I just knew... You know, that in my heart, there was no place for where the Irish could go yeah. in the city and let loose. And listen, I'm no angel myself. I was thrown out of a couple of bars in the city for, as the Americans say, being too drunk. But an Irish version of being too drunk and an American version of being too drunk are two very different things. And in the main fiddler, we have those variations. So listen, you see an Irish lad take off a shirt. How many times in a nightclub in Ireland have you seen an Irish lad take off a shirt? <laughs> That happens in an American bar, boom, you're done. Yeah. In the main fiddler, they'll come over, the bouncer will say, listen, buddy, we don't allow that here, but here's your, here's your warning. Yeah. Then, listen, the Irish lads like to lift somebody up in the air. We all do that. I'm, I, when I was younger, I was probably the worst fella for it, you know? So, you know, again... A few years ago. Know, a few years ago, yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, But again, give them a warning. Don't throw them out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then we would give them a third warning where we would tell them, listen, go get a slice of pizza. And if you come back and you're half sober, we'll let you back in. Yeah. So the Irish gravitated to that just because it was a home away from home and people knew they could go in there. They were surrounded by other people they knew and everybody felt safe. Yeah, even just from um, being out here, uh, this one thing that New York doesn't do for me, it's the, the social aspect. The social scene is is much more enjoyable back home. There's late night bars, Absolutely. the nightclubs. You know, you come yep. over here, it's a lot more kind of relaxed. They take it easy, casual few drinks, and they all kind of, it's a lot more relaxed. But when we first met, went into the mean fitter, we were like, this is the spot we were kind of looking for all, all along. <laughs> but listen, especially... You get to that point in the evening, you've gone out for dinner, you've had a couple of drinks, and then, listen, yeah. I think being Irish, being Irish, we, look, we like to let loose a little bit. Yeah. And instead of going to a nightclub where, like I said, you got to <clears> buy a <throat> bottle of vodka for 800 bucks, you know, it's, you know there's certain yeah. bars, in it, there's not too many in the city where you can just do that. And the main fitter at the time was probably the only place you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. McFadden's were doing a little on 42nd, but they were too strict then. So they, they were, were doing the strict. disco. Yeah. They were doing the disco bar thing, but it was nearly yeah. hostile when you walked up to the door. No disrespect to them, but they were trying to do a disco bar mentality with the actual mentality you were talking about at the start. Like as you say, you take your top off in a bar, and it's like all hell breaks loose. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. We, yeah. If you were to if you were to throw everyone out of Mean Fiddler in the early days, that half a Monaghan would have been half naked on Eighth Avenue. Like, you know what I mean? 
So we'll, That's we'll, the go, difference. we'll go on there to the <clears throat> other bars you set up, and we might come back then to the mean fiddler and when it closed sure. down. So you've, you, you're involved in a couple of other bars around the city. When did you first kind of expand on from the mean fiddler? And um, what was the goal just to just grow bigger? What was the. No, the, the goal was never to grow bigger. Um, we were probably in the mean fiddler, I'm going to say five years. And That's we were. Years. Yeah, and we had a nine year lease. So um, we just started talking to the mean fiddler landlord at the time, like, hey, can we get an extension? And he wasn't too uh, fussed about giving us extension. So we started saying, myself and my brother started saying to us, we better start looking around for another bar. Uh, this was 2000 and actually it might have been sooner. Was it, was it, 2000? it was about it was 2011, was it 2010? Or even now? 2010. Three yeah. Monkeys, a little, yeah. Yeah. A little, little, little <clears throat> so, um, so anyway, uh, I knew a wine bar that was there and uh, the guy wanted to sell and we made him an offer. He took the offer and <laughs> that was our first, it was a massive jump for us wow. in terms of uh, look, in terms of what we were offering. Like the mean fiddler is the mean fiddler. Like, um, I don't want to name names, but when we opened, when we were going to open the Three Monkeys, um, you know, I'd heard from a couple of different people like, ah, geez, they're only going to open the mean fiddler there. We have nothing to worry about. And then we, when we opened the Three Monkeys, they were actually shocked. People walked in and uh, at the time, they were like, geez, this is a craft beer bar. This is very different. Yeah. The decor is good in it and the food is good in it. So it was completely 360 for us. And- but just to stop you on that, Michael, sorry, that's that's a brave move by you and Pat because to this to date at that point, you only knew Mean Fedler mentality. Now, obviously, now the, the lads have a partner, which they brought about here in Cramsey, would have come in as our partner in the Three Monkeys, right? Yeah. But you you know what you know, like with the with the mean fiddler. I'm sure there was times when you thought, "Jeez, we could easily now have people dancing on the bar here now by tourists, you know, you know." <laughs> but you don't want to take away from what you have on 47th. Yeah. But it's hard, isn't? It? I'm sure it's hard for you not oh, to, listen. especially with the first one after the mean fiddler, or the I, Three Monkeys proved to you after that. Then it's it's a, it's what you want. Yeah, and and even though we taught it in our heads to Kieran's defense. He was like the, 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 you know, you have the good and the bad. He was that yeah. good person saying to us, no, no, let's stick with this. You know, yeah, it, it, sense, yeah, yeah. listen, it was a little slow at the start, but we stuck with it and people, people really gravitated to that for being a craft yeah. beer bar and small yeah. play foods. At the time, everybody was doing, you know, big dinners. Nobody sure. was doing the, the small appetizers back then. And yeah. that, that's, that's something that really people came in and said, oh, listen, I'm going to have a couple of beers and just a couple of appetizers. It was a change yeah. in the way New York was, was even going. Yeah, it's true. And then, of course, you opened uh, Tanner Smith's and you opened Tanner Smith's Dutch Fred's and Vida Verde. When, when, did, you, when did you open the rest of them? Uh, so all, in the one, ta- all in the one week, nearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're, we're talking... Uh, Five years ago for uh, for Tanner Smith, four years ago for Dutch Freds, three years ago for uh, Vida Verde, two years ago for uh, Haswell Greens. Okay. So you, you can pretty much say one year afternoon. Uh, a lot of people thought we were crazy. And if I looked at it back now, yeah, maybe we were a little crazy because, but who, who knew what a pandemic was going to do? Yeah, you know? Exactly. Uh, 2019, like, you know, I said to myself, you know, just say, you say this, oh my God, like, I can't believe, like, we, we were doing, uh, you know, like a massive corporations numbers, you know? We, we did yeah. 40 million in 2019, Whoa. you know? 
Mental. Like, mental. Like, if you had ever said to me I was going to do 40 million as a group, I never would have believed it, you know? You would have yeah. thought you were drug trafficking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it's, it's easy for people to say the pandemic type of thing, and I'm not diminishing, because I'm sure the stress of it is, but just to give it clarity, like, you and Patrick are, met, are partners in the, <clears throat> in the Mean Fiddler, and then yep. you have Kieran, and then Kieran joined us to do the Three Monkeys, Mm-hmm. And then, and then you would have had your your cousin Bernard and Andrew then join you and Pat to do Tanners. So yep. it's not it's not a case that it was you and Pat and stuff. Then they're doing a lot of the work that you and Pat would have done at the start, also with you and Pat. It's great to have that for them. You then have these lads' input, and you've seen what they've done, and then so on with Shane and Alan and Dutch, and then Vincent and Kevin in Haswells. But then the other side of that coin, Marker. Then then you've all these other partners now. And the only thing they care about, and rightfully so, is their baby. So now you're over dealing with one lad and he's bitching about this. And I remember reading your man McNally. I remember sending it to you. McNally did a, um, McNally, for anyone who's listening, is uh, he owns Balthazar. He owned a Manetta Tavern, like really high-end joints. But you remember saying he sat down with a lot at an owner's meet or on one day. And he had one owner complaining about something really high-end problem in the kitchen and stuff like that. And then he this other owner complaining about that one delivery guy stole the other guy's bike. And he says in his head, he was sitting there going, I have to go to an Arsenal game next week in London and ask me investors for two million. And this fella's here giving out about a fucking bike. Like, and he said, that's all he could think of. But at the same time, your man's entitled to give out about the bike. So that's what you would have had to deal with. I'm sure that's tough enough too, but it also it's great. Credit. Yeah. You have good guys. In, you, did, you didn't pick them off the street. The, every no. one of these lads worked with you in each place through the year, so you knew what you were getting with them. Yeah, no, I think in, in our regard, we're very lucky. Uh, we have people that have worked for us for at least 10, 15 years, so they, they, know, what they're, they, know, they know what they're getting with me and Patrick, yeah. and yeah. They, know the, they know the different personalities, So they, and we know what we're getting with the people that we bring on. And they're, like you said, Johnny, they're the people that make each place unique. Like, mm. people always ask me, Listen, what, what what makes your places go? And at the end of the day, it's the partner, it's the partners. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, what it is I, I can take the credit for the mean fiddler. Me and Pat can take the credit for the mean fiddler. We yeah. can take the a little bit of credit for the decor. Uh we we find the location, we scout the location, we we find the lease, we we won't say design them, but we help design them or come up with the concept. But at the end of the day, uh, concept or a bar is no good way we'll of operating partners. Um, yeah. If you bring to, to, to me personally, if you bring in managers to run a place, um, unless they're invested, unless they unless, unless they are driven to make yeah. the place better, you, you're yeah. going to fail. You're going to fail. Yeah, he, a manager leaves at ten o'clock at night. He yeah. he doesn't think about it till five minutes before he walks out, and nor should he. He's not getting paid yeah. to. It's not his problem yeah. to do it, you know. Yes, yeah, so yeah. just let yeah. just let people know. Like, so it's yourself and bro- your brother Patrick. You own like you've the bulk. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the majority share, but a, a major share. We probably seventy percent of each location. Yeah, and then you get other other lads to to buy in the rest of the rest of the percentage. Correct. And, and as yep. you say, as you said, there it's you come in looking for the people like. Um, we're always we like to go into Haswell Greens. Obviously, before the pandemic, there was great setup there. And Johnny's brother, Vincent and Kevin, yep. you're, oh, you're always going in looking for them because you know they're going to look after you. You know, go, going for the chat Absolutely. or whatever. And the setup in Haswell's, the design there in the interior is fantastic, and the pianos, the piano playing yeah. that they had on weekends was just was just fantastic. Yeah, 
again, that that's what I call probably a modern version of the Mean Fiddler. Um, you know, more yeah, upscale yeah. and probably, you know, I will say for, won't say for an older crowd, but, you know, it's for the 30 and up crowd. Yeah, 25-year-olds yeah. know, but it really is for that 30-year-old crowd and up. Listen, we still want to have fun when we hit into our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know. So, but the Mean Fiddler is not a place where you go, uh, you know, when you're, I won't say, yeah, you can go there once in a while when you're dating a girl or whatever, but it, it is a singles place, you know. My, Ver- father came, half- my father came over last uh, summer before last, he's 59. He went to the Mean Fiddler with us one night. He was back in there the following night. He thought it was the greatest place ever. <laughs> Oh, like, Michael, like Michael said, it's a singles place. <laughs> I hope yeah. your mother is a listening. <laughs> no, but it is because Michael, you mentioned it there. Like, um, if you'd like Alan Clancy now that would own a lot of the bars around Dublin, around Ireland and stuff, he each bar he opened, he was thinking of an age demographic more than anything, similar to the way you did there. Like, he had Zico and it was 18 to 25. Dawson 37, 25 to 35. And in some respects, yours is similar. Like when you think yeah. of it, and that's a Tanner's is definitely a place where, you know, you're going with a group of couples and it's class and it has the music's perfect level. It's not. And then, like I say, basically in an ideal terms, you could go to Tanner's and go over to Haswell's for live music, have a row with the missus around two o'clock and then head down to the Mean Fiddler on your own. Like you're fucking laughing. Bob's your uncle living on your own on the Monday. <laughs> So going back to the Mean Fiddler, so Michael, was, was it initially when you opened, was it hard to get it going or did it oh, take it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, t- it, it took time. When, when I look back at the, num- the numbers we were doing back then, you know, like, uh, see, see, the demographic of New York was very different back then. Uh, when we took over the Mean Fiddler, we were paying eight and a half thousand a month in rent, you know? Now we're wow. paying 40, now we're paying 40,000 a month. So, in fifteen in fifteen years, it's gone up that in, much. In fifteen years, that's so, ridiculous, ridiculous. But they they have you. All the landlords had us up until a year ago. Whether that changes in the next year or two, I don't know. I'm looking at locations every day, and I don't see any prices dropping in Manhattan. They're not. So they're not. So, so there was there a lot of perseverance getting it getting it up and running initially. A lot of uh, uh, was it down. Uh, Oh, listen, it was a 78 hour a week, you know. Um, it's great crack. Oh, it was great crack, yeah. If we didn't oh, have after, it. if we didn't have after hours, we wouldn't have made it, you know. All right, okay, yeah. So- it's funny that you say that without criminalizing ourselves on this. No, I know. I was, th- I was thinking <laughs> about no, that. No, but genuinely, that nearly applies to every bar, and it shows you that the rents and the stuff don't match up. Like a few years ago, uh, Mike Dorgan, they came out and they were trying to bring the closing time down to two o'clock. Bloomberg was trying to bring it down to 12, between 12 and two o'clock. But I remember you ringing me, Mike, Marker, and raging about, because as you, and I remember thinking in my head, ah, it's not that big a deal, isn't it? But the reality is our rents are nearly based on 4 a.m. and afterwards. They have a squeeze to that. And Annie Bar, we did it in the long haul. Like if you don't do after hours nearly at the start, that, that extra hour or two, you need that on your Friday and Saturday, and Sunday night, say whatever it is, to get you, like, it's, it's not greed. You're not making any loads of extra money. That's just getting you through. Like, I don't know how yeah. otherwise it's going to survive if it doesn't. Like, even as you said, rents aren't going down. But I don't know how that's going to survive otherwise. I, I spoke to a bar owner today and he called me for advice. And, you know, I would say 70% of his business is from 12 to 4. Yeah. And the landlord, the landlord <clears throat> is looking for 100% rent. No break. 
no break, right? So he's like, like the closing time right now is 11 p.m. So if 50% of his business is from 12 to 4, how is he going to pay 100% rent? Well, that's what I said to Vincent earlier on when I was chatting to him about doing this. And I said, the irony of it is, and this is no disrespect to anyone not in the business, but they're all happy for us. And they're saying, oh, you got 35%. That's great. Blah, blah, blah. I said, stick your 10%. Like, as in that, uh, give us 1 a.m. Yeah. Keep the 10%. Give us 25% and 1 a.m. And that's, yeah. like, but that landlord there, for that person you were talking to, Michael, it's easy for you and I on the other end of the phone to say, but there's a guy that, if he's on that attitude, you're as well off handing him the keys now before he bleeds you dry completely. But then there's a fellow that has had a business probably for 15 years, and how does he walk away from it? Long, you know? Longer, Johnny, longer. Uh, you see, like that's just brutal. Like, and, there, and, there's and, a, and, and the landlord is telling him, hand back the keys. Go ahead, I'll find somebody else. Michael, See, when you've got an attitude like that, you're in trouble. I just want to go back to the, 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 getting the mean fiddler up and running because Johnny had spoke to me before I even heard of you when I came out here initially. <clears> he, he just said that you had great belief in, you know, that you were determined to really yep. make the, the mean, fiddler, mean fiddler work. You, like, uh, how hard was it? You said that you were doing 70 hour, hours a week. Uh, did you ever kind yeah. of doubt yourself? And, like, what gave you the, the drive to, to see it through? Um... No, I never doubted myself. Uh, I always thought we'd succeed. Um, it's just, you know, the first, to be honest, if you don't devote the first two years of your life to a bar, and I mean devote, I'm talking 60, 70 hours a week to a bar. Um, you know, 50, 60, 70, you got, you got to be in that racket, uh, bracket to, to get there. Um, especially for us. When we took over, we thought there was a kitchen. Then we found out there wasn't a kitchen. So then we're like, what are we going to do here? And... I just said to my sister, we got to go on full, as we call it in Ireland, the disco bar, you know? Yeah. Um, we put up a load of lights. We brought in good DJs. We put <clears> DJs on seven nights a week. Uh, we got a lot of colleges in. And then, you know, just one night, girls started dancing on the bar. And I would say, like a light switch, it just took off like that. Um, you know, Hogs and Heifers was downtown. I don't know if you ever heard of Hogs and Heifers. So it was a bar, well, you know, historic bar in Manhattan that, you know, again, another landlord pushed them out and girls used to dance in the bar. A bit like Coyote Ugly, uh, very similar. But we started doing that in Times Square and we just got a name straight away. And back then, uh, between Queens, the Bronx, uh, Woodlawn, McLean, every single weekend, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday, we would have such a great Irish crowd and um, word of mouth spread from there. And we, we, it just... That that was uh was the summer of wasn't our first summer it was the second summer summer of two thousand and seven I'm going to say seven yep. well seven yeah yeah Michael so if you year, probably, you might want to mention it if you want to mention this you don't have to but Michael's yep. kind of asking you there what is the drive and blah 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 if you wanted to tell your dad's backstory with going home and buying a pub and how that panned out for him and him ending up having to come back here with your mother at home while you were a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that would that had to be in the back of both your minds. If you want to tell that a little bit, that's a brilliant story. Like, well, brilliant, doesn't it? <laughs> Not great yeah, for your dad, but <clears throat> I've actually probably uh, never thought about, about that, Johnny, as a driving influence. But yeah, if I actually think about it now, you, you probably hit the nail on the head there. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So my parents lived in America, had three kids over here, moved back to Ireland. My dad was a barman all his life, uh, never owned a bar, worked his ass off, um, worked in all pubs across Dublin. And then a friend of his invited him to meet these two Dublin lads and, you know, in the Dublin city centre. 
seemed like nice lads. Uh, they were taking over a place in Tala. And uh, my, my father put all his money savings in with these lads. And uh, within a couple of months, he realized then um, it was the first of money laundering as he knew it. Um, these are big time gangsters. Uh, and pretty much my father was told, uh, you'll never get your money back. And if you open your mouth, we'll burn your house down. Um, so my father ne was never a drinker, never a big drinker. Um, got drunk that night in the pub that he was working in, drove home. Uh, totaled the car, guards come to the house, we're in the house, no sign of my dad, um, and uh, we, we don't know what's after happened. Uh, eventually, my father gets home that night and tells <clears> my mother what, what's after happened. I'm upstairs, is it? I think I was, how, how old was I? Mid-80s, is it early, early 80s, is it? No, I was about 12, 13, Johnny, and I remember also hearing my dad, yeah, I remember hearing my dad confess to my mother about what went down and these lads saying they're going to burn the house down. So my father said, let me get out of the Dublin for a little bit. And he went to America for a funeral. Uh, I forget it was an uncle of ours or auntie that passed away. And while he was here, someone asked him, did you want to get back into the bar trade? And of course he jumped at it and he worked in Smith's on 8th Avenue. It's still there. It's been there for a long time. Shit. So uh, back then, even back, you know, he, he worked six, seven nights a week for about three, four, five years. And whatever he lost out to those uh, guys in Dublin, uh, he saved up and moved back home. And, you know, um, I think I was 18 when he moved back home then. So he was gone for four or five years. So in the back of my mind, Johnny, you're probably right. It's probably yeah. a drive. Because when you, drive. Think of, when you think of the back, sorry, like Patrick would be, what's Patrick, ten, nine, ten years older than you, is he? Something in yeah. that ballpark? So yeah. Patrick's Patrick, well, just give you Patrick is older brother is already back living here. So Patrick went home when he was a teenager, right, to Dublin. Yeah. When he hit 18, 19, Pat moves back then. Now his father's back over. They're both bartending yeah. in the city. Your dad's yeah. like working six days a week, like, which yeah. was very common back then, but not with his backstory, how he ended up there. It's not yeah. unusual. Even recently, I knew people from different parts of rural Ireland that they'd be living here and the kids are at home, like. I know plenty of lads that were doing that. I'd see them around sidetracks 10 years ago and they'd be going back and forth, go back for long summers, blah, blah, blah. But for your dad to come back living in his one bedroom, like it shows him the mentality, like with, you know, six kids to, yeah. to have that metal to do. Like the irony of it is you opened up with saying you lost your money in the stocks and then you realized to build it back up, your dad lost his to the rat or whoever. You know what I mean? As in, yeah, it's a <laughs> You lost your you, were home. <laughs> you, you stayed in Ireland when he came here, was it, Michael? Yeah, we stayed in Ireland. Uh, it was at the time, it was probably myself, my younger sister, and probably two other sisters still in the house. Uh, one of my sisters was in London, and my brother was in America at the time. He was bartending himself, but uh, it's gone now. Mickey Mantles, it's called. Yeah. But yeah, my father, my father and my brother were bartending back then in the 80s in New York. Very different New York, you know? Okay. Yeah. We came out for definitely one summer, maybe two summers. And that's when, I don't know if you've ever seen Deuce, have you? The show? I yeah, yeah. That, yeah. On yeah, it's very good. Yeah. yeah, basically everything you see in Deuce is 100% true. That's where my father was working. He was working in that type of bar. There was hookers, there was pimps. It was just New York. The there was a guy yeah. dead at the end of the bar one night. He fell out shopping with a silencer. And Pat Sr. had taught, or Michael's dad had taught your man was asleep at the end of the bar. And he went down later on the night to push him, and your man had been shot. I remember your dad yeah. telling me that, or the mercy in the, in the main fiddler. I thought he knew that yeah. story from him. And I asked him, he said, sure, I'd seen, 
I've seen people asleep in that bar every night. Like the 8th Avenue was the wild, wild west. You think Port Authority is bad now? Even when I moved here in 02, Jeez. 01, it was but, mental. But, and Smith's is still there. It's mental. But, well, that was Hell's Jeez. Kitchen too. So yeah, you got to you got to remember this was the this was the time that you know the Irish mob ruled Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Mm. Mm. True enough. <clears throat> Port Authority to weekend. It's a Jesus. It's it's just it's a time warp it's a time it's warp just, it's, oh, it's it's so dangerous it's so yeah it's like it's like I, it's like feel like reading about what happened here in the 70s and the 80s if you want to if you want to experience that go to Port Authority it's madness but it's sad really, that I actually find it funny and now you, I, it's just terrible I actually go into it and I kind of like, that's great that it's still like this I know that sounds like I worked in there with his brother Pat the day after 9-11 and I remember being in there like and the place got evacuated three times in that day I remember the first time I went over the bar and I was gone. The second time, you're good, you're there, man. The second time, the second time me and Pat were like wiping down the bar and we walked out gingerly. And the third time then, we didn't even leave the bar. Port Authority has never changed and it never will. It is what it is. Um, ne- never changed. So, it never will. That's what makes it kind of classic. Kind of love that about it. I, th- I think the, one of the lessons there from uh, you losing all your money in the stock exchange, it's like it sounds to me um, that you should like keep your money to what you know. For example, a buddy of mine is uh, works in crypto, and he was like, two months ago, he's like, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, and I was like, jeez, I don't know anything about it, and if I lost all my money, I'd be like, yeah, I knew nothing about it in, in the first in the first case. So like, yeah, it's got to fifty thousand now, but anyway. Uh, that's I my advice. More... That's that's yeah. my advice to everybody, Michael. And yeah. you know, you know, the bar business is something that everybody's always intrigued by. Everybody, for some reason, always wants to open a bar. And yeah. the, the, the amount of lads I've had come to me, whether they're a stockbroker, whether they're in finance, whether they're in construction, they're like, I want to open a bar. I want to open a bar with you. And I, I'm always like, you know, it's not what you think it is. You know, it, it, it's and the more that you're involved in the business, the more you realize people used to say to me, how do you work in a bar business? And I always think, geez, there's nothing wrong. This is great crack. This is brilliant. But the more you're in it, the more it drains you down and the more you realize, listen, there's so much more that can go wrong in a bar than, than any other business. You know, lawsuits, sexual discrimination, uh, landlords, you know, you, you can keep going on. But the point you hit on earlier, I know we'll move on after this, Michael, and I was going to say this. The funny thing is when people say, oh, like, why did you expand? And you see that them leases that we all get sound great, but it's gone like that. Like, and you and Pat are there and there's your salary. And now you've only nine years left. You've no other choice. You're always chasing a, a lease. So you yeah. have no other choice. You can't wait till the last minute. You know, and over the years, it's like it used to be you could get 30. You were telling me this only recently. Mike. Like there was a time here, like in Ireland, you can get a 35-year lease and a 40-year lease. It used to be like that here, Michael. And then certain landlords all came along and they, they started bringing in 10-year. And I remember hearing like getting a 10-year lease. And I remember thinking, geez, 10 years, not bad. And I remember when we got the long haul and you were saying to me, what did you get? And I said, oh, 15 years, Lee's Demolition Project. You said, you good, you got 15. I thought, he said, 15 years, that's amazing. I know I'm stating the obvious here. Like that, you were yeah. three, four years, were gone. You, there's no, if I got a 10-year lease in a place now, I wouldn't invest a whole lot into it. I'd or literally, I if it was a, yeah. if it was a bar, I'd go it. in and I wouldn't take it. But if I was to take it, it'd have to be a bar that a fella just walked out of and you're walking into it, put no money into it at that price. Yeah, how, how very rare investment. It, how rare is it for bar owners to buy the premises? You know, we all talk about leases. Is it very not 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 in the last ten years? <clears throat> okay, those days are gone. The, 
there was, you know, there's, there, there was some smart lads out there like the Frankie Dwyers, uh, Connie O'Reilly, um, John Mann, John done the last few years. John Mann, Dave Massey, and and that 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 corporation, um, you know, there, there was a couple out there that, but they've been around the business a long time, but anybody in the last <coughs> ten years hasn't hasn't a chance. You're okay. having a chance. Okay. So, but it, it's about the bang for the buck, isn't it? Mike? Sorry, I'll run after. It's like if you were in a position to buy a building, like the average building, the 10, 15 million you're not going to get it back on fucking vodkas and cokes and stuff. So if you're in a position to buy that building, you then will go in and buy it. But then you'd be like, Johnny, do you want to lease downstairs? So it's like, the, if you had the money to buy a building, yeah, you ain't correct. going putting a bar down in it. So it's, it's the divide has come too big in it, in a sense. Yeah. 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 It's, what were you um, going to say, Michael? This, <laughs> I was going to say, this is the longest intro we ever did. But it's good. It's a oh, great. Yeah. Just the intro. It's a good chat. I feel we, we, we could stay here talking all night. But anyway, we better get down to the, the meeting today, though, as they say, about the, the mean fiddler, what a lot of people will be tuning in to hear about Michael. About yeah. the, so give us a background on, on what happened last year, what the lease was, and what, uh, just what sure. happened that she announced that you were going to close for good. Yeah, so listen, eight months of dealing with a landlord, and you know, you've been with him for 15 years, and you know, maybe show too much emotion to him. You know, uh, you're thinking, look, I'll get to this lad. You know, he'll see that I love the place, he'll see that I took care of the premise. He'll see all these good things. But unfortunately, you know, landlords don't think like that. So if you show any emotion at all, you're done. And that, that was a mistake I made. I showed too much emotion to him. And he strung me along. He made me sign a piece of paper. He tricked me into something. And uh, I didn't feel good with it. Then I tried to renegotiate with him. And he didn't want to renegotiate. And that left me with no choice. You know, we're, we're paying... We're, like I said, the forty thousand. We were paying. We were paying thirty, close to thirty six thousand a month, plus another six thousand in property taxes. So you're looking at forty two thousand a month. He wanted to put all of that. He didn't want to give me any discount. He would say to me, "Okay, I'll give you fifty percent off, and I'll put the fifty percent onto your onto your lease." I'm like, absolutely no way. How am I going to take over a bar so much in debt? So uh, I handed my notice in once. And I thought he would change. I handed him notice in a second time and he still didn't change. And we walked, you know. Um, and at that time, you're, you're dealing with a lot of emotions, you know. Like the mean fiddler has made me, you know, you know not, not just as a person, but also business-wise. It drove me to open the three monkeys and everything else. I couldn't have done it without the mean fiddler. It was, you know, as they say, uh, an iron horse. One of those bars that you get once in your lifetime, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we had to hand our notice into him. And um, you're going back and forth. Is it a good business deal? Isn't it a bad business deal? Uh, am I thinking with my heart? Because, you know, what? I didn't want to give it up, you know, because it is what made me. And I said, you know what? At the time, we didn't know how long COVID was going to be. Uh, is it worth taking a risk for a year? I said it is. I will lose $20,000 a month on that location for a year, you know? Will I do it for two years? No. But now we're in... You can think about it. Now we're into the second year. Exactly. So, yeah. So we walked away, I'm going to say October, November, was it? I, I really, yeah, I can't. About, I think it was October. Yeah, about five, was four, four months October, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So since then, we went radio silent on him and he, he's come back to us. He wants us to come back. It's still not a great deal. Uh, he's still looking, he's looking for 20, 20 grand a month rent right now. 
Um, with a handshake deal in place, I'm probably going to go back for that. Um, and the deal we have in place is, it all hinges on him finding a tenant upstairs. If he doesn't find a tenant for upstairs within a year, he's going to demolition the building. How big is upstairs? That's the coca, isn't it? The coca cabana or the former yeah. coca or whatever it is. Yeah. So he wants, tells- to get a, he wants to get another club. Now, someone will ask this silly question. I've been in the main fielder. It's packed the whole time. Why don't you take over upstairs? I'm sure you've heard it's, that question. Yeah, it's $100,000 a month. It's 20,000 square feet. Uh, yeah. you're, talk, you're talking on a weekly basis, la- labor alone, Johnny. Yeah, it wouldn't if, be worth it. It wouldn't be worth it. Like, I tried to think of three different concepts for the space. Like, I've thought about it. I, I, you know, I made them an offer. I did everything to try and save the mean fiddler. I made them offers for Copacabana. Thank God he said no to you. <laughs> thank God he said no. Honestly, thank God he yeah, said no. Because yeah, back then, that was a motion that was driving me, you know? Okay. Uh, I would be, I'd be bankrupt if I had taken it. Mm. Was he, from reading uh, some of the articles online, um, was he trying to sell, was he trying to get a tenant for both the uh, Mean Fiddler and the Coca Cabana upstairs, or was he trying to get a, put a, a hotel in there, or what was his... No, no, he was trying to get a museum in there, and the museum said they wanted my space and the Coca space. So that obviously okay. fell through for him. Okay. You know? So and then he came back to us because now he's got nothing. Now he has no money coming in. So... Again, it's a gamble us going back if we do go back. Uh, yeah. We are there. We are like looking to change some things in it because if we do go back, the mean fiddler won't be the mean fiddler for two years. Like when will, when will you be able to be in a packed bar? Yeah, yeah. When will, when will you be able to dance? When What's a woodlawn the... tomorrow night? What's a woodlawn tomorrow night? The trees will be in one. Not woodlawn, Johnny. Not woodlawn. Maybe McLean Avenue, maybe. Well, it's not the I, same thing, no? I actually, no, I actually, I actually feel sorry for the bars in Woodlawn. Can, imagine you having a bar in Woodlawn, you looking across the street on McLean Avenue, and oh, the bars, the, bar, the bars there are packed, and you're in Woodlawn, and you mm-hmm. can't open your doors. Well, me and Michael had this conversation earlier on, and all like you can't, you don't begrudge any of the bars, like, and it's brilliant. Like, no, you absolutely not. You, you couldn't knock, and I'm delighted for them, and yeah. I mean that, like, it's great. But as you yeah. say, to be that close, and I'm sure there's other versions with Long Island and Queens, like Absolutely. people in Long Island were open the whole time sitting at bars. Morris, yep. a good friend of ours from Mulligan's, Morris was cycling over into yep. the other section, and there it is all closed up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I just to explain to people that on McLean mm. Avenue there, Woodlawn is like half our audience is, is listening from Ireland, half, half here. So up on McLean Avenue, that's where the, the city and state border is, that line along McLean, isn't it? So you've got one, rule, one set of rules across, across, across the road and you've got the city rules down below, which, is, which are completely different. Absolutely. It's like Cork looking into Kerry. Yeah. So the Bronx, the Bronx is looking into Westchester. So it's an Irish enclave there. So you, yeah. between Woodlawn was always the Irish enclave and then it moved up a little bit to McLean Avenue. So uh, Woodlawn has a lot of, you know, great Irish bars and, and McLean has a lot of great uh, Irish bars. But imagine for me, I've thought about it. Like if I, if I was an owner in Woodlawn, like I don't think I would, I don't think mentally I, I, I would have survived this because if you're, you're, you're looking across, it was bad enough dealing with Cuomo and the mayor we have in the city. You know, shutting us down because there was no reason to back it up. But if you were a yeah. bar owner in Woodlawn, I really felt sorry for those guys. Ah, but it's wrong. It's it is wrong. Like if you say that'd be like you looking across the road, like and seeing someone else on Forty Seventh or one of the other bars are open and Absolutely. running amok. 
and you're not allowed to do it, you know. And then the other side of it is, me and Mike were talking about it earlier, like people are saying, oh, well, it's no big deal, blah, blah. And I'm not blaming any individuals, but there's no guidelines majorly being followed in some places as well. Like like I know from some of your bars, Marco, when you're open at 25% and all, and you're getting people from these areas and they're not wrong, but it's a mentality thing. And they're arriving down to the city and they're arriving with no masks, no nothing. And they're like surprised. Like, and I was up in East Chester up there in a friend of ours bars and there was a party there that had come in. And a lot of people are like, they're nearly forgetting. And it's, some of them have masks. Oh, geez, I forget. But that's what you are dealing with a little bit. Vincent, my brother's told me about Haswell's. Equally, and none of these people are wrong. We're Hoboken. Hoboken are yep. open. There's people sitting at bars and they're, then they're arriving over and it's like they've gone back six months and they've Vincent and Kev at the door saying, listen, yeah, you've got to stay. This, and they're like, well, we can't sit in the bar. What do you mean? Yeah. And this is yeah. the problem. This is a yeah. this is a problem that's going to come ahead for all of us when we're trying to open a more of a capacity. And you have people from Long Island, Hoboken, and other places, and they think, well, you're still doing that. And everyone's understanding. They're all really good about it. But it's just an extra bit of stress for a, a manager, a door, a guy having to deal with this. Yeah. But I think I think as a bar owner, you know, like all we wanted was the same regulations statewide. You know, yeah. we want that. We want the same rules. You make us do temperature checks. Fine. Make everybody do temperature checks. You want you want us to have 50, you want us to have 25 uh, percent. OK, make everybody have 25 percent. You want us to you want us you want us to, uh, you know, shut down, you know, for, for various reasons. But, you know, we have the FDNY, the SLA, the DOB and. We had, four, we had four people come into us this week in the one location. And I'm asking people in, in, in Long Island and Westchester and upstate New York, do you have any inspections? And they've told me they've had zero inspections. So it do, you feel that, do you feel that with this governor and the mayor, it's nearly this, there you go, there's 25%. This is what I gave you. And then they're sending in these things to nearly try to shut you down. Like they absolutely. want to, I, I absolutely. think that they don't want us open. So they're nearly like, okay, I'll give it to you. I'll show you. And it's this attitude of coming in then. I've spoke to the, your colleagues that you're talking about. And they're saying, like, within the space of two days, they'd all them people in, like, one after another and after another. And overall, the experience is whatever. But they're literally, and there's no consistency with the rules. Yep. You have one guy walking in telling you, like, a, Michael Dorgan, I don't know if you've seen where you have tables at the bar. And then, you know, the way the tables at the bar and the two seats and all this stuff. It's like New York. The more I think about it, it's like New York is still stuck back in last yeah. April or May or something. Yeah. And then one one department guy is coming into one bar telling you, you can't do that, can't do that. So because we're all in the same network of friends, we're texting each other, giving each other the heads up, saying, look, you're not allowed to do that. Then I got another guy, well, there's no consistency. The, the, the next inspector walks into one of Michael's bars. He's no problem with the bar at the table. He's no problem with the two seats, but he has a problem with the other thing that wasn't a problem in the other guy's bar. Mm. It's nearly like they're trying to break you mentally and financially. Yeah, yeah. Just so we'll just circle back there. Circle back. I like your <laughs> the White House for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that was a little vent. That was a little venting by two bar owners. Yeah, because mentally, it's been a year for any owner or manager in any restaurant in Manhattan, Queens, Staten Island. The Bronx, like it's, you know, mentally you feel like you're just getting beat down and you're trying to figure out, is it, is it, is it the governor? Is it the mayor? Or do you just don't they want any business to succeed in, in the, in, in the, in the, you know, the boroughs. Yeah. And it's like Cuomo and de Blasio were trying to 
competing against each other to who can implement the, mo- the, the most restrictions. I think there before the summer, Cuomo said if it goes under 5% that... Uh, the, ki- the kids would be staying at home and then the blad just said oh no if it's three percent and you're like they're just they're constantly going at it but uh, michael just got on, on the mean fiddler there so exclusive here you're not you're telling us that the mean fiddler will live on <laughs> it's gonna it- well, there's a ch- there's a chance there's a chance okay uh, the, the, there's a good chance there's a handshake between us and we're hopefully going to sign something <clears throat> within it within the next four weeks okay and when do you think nice you, when, when would be the earliest that you, that you'd open then? Uh, you would love to try and get if if it's possible. I don't know what happens with the landlord. We we would love to try and get open for the week of St Patrick's Week. But listen, that's a slim chance right now. But we're we're pushing for it. Okay, awesome. So uh, just uh, we we you can but, vent but, you, you can vent now. Just, so just we ta- go back to the vent back to the venting. No, no, no. Just <laughs> just, just tell your future wife. You won't be able to dance in the bar for another year, <laughs> <laughs> or or else you can't post it on Instagram. Uh, I, I, I think it's on YouTube as well. If we're up in the, up in the bar. I, I think. Where do you, where where do you see Michael? Uh, the biggest challenges, like little things, there I've just jotted down in regards to reopen. Staff yeah, is yeah. a like these are problems we'd love to have, but staff is going to be a major problem. Like staff where's is the, staff is the biggest one? Here, here, here's where, why you, where, yeah. where are they? Like you know, where are they coming from? Right, so you think about it. You, me and Johnny, you would never have thought about it, right? We, I had guys working for me for 15 years, right? Who just packed up and went back to Mexico, you know? I have, I have Irish people who have been in the country for a long time, packed up and went back home, you know? These are people who are like part of your DNA, part of the bar DNA. I don't see any people coming from Ireland or Mexico or from, to put, you know, to work in this business. You have to have a drive to work in the bar business. You want to work weekends, you want to work nights, you want to give up your social life, you know? Those type of people that work in this business are very hard to find. And even the ones you had that we both had working, as you're saying, who are here, they've went and, fair play to them, they've went and found other jobs. They're now doing nine, they're doing nine to five jobs now in construction. I'm talking about female, former workers of yours. I was talking to Megan. She gone doing construction and stuff like that. Even if they think I want to go back bartending, Give them one. Give them one week, and when they start sitting in your apartment, I've made this point before. I think McCormick, McCormick, it's like being a daytime bartender, Michael. I'm becoming a nighttime bartender. You can never change back then. You're no. already getting out of bed, and like you know, when you're a nighttime bartender, you have your routine. You might have a couple of beers after work. If you're in an earlier closed joint, you're getting home by two or three. You're watching TV for an hour. You go to bed at four. You get up at twelve at best. You're in work at six. You reverse that. There is no yep. going back from that. So I don't know where we're going to get the staff from. Now, in your case as well, like if you're dealing with five and six places, there probably will be an element where you're going to have to do part-time in a lot of them. You might have to like put people in certain ones for certain time. Like, and now not to go back to the rant a bit, but you've landlords still wanting the same money as he's saying. He's not even talking about, you're not even talking about your place. You're talking about even place you've looked at in the recent weeks. And the number's still up there. Correct. They might say, oh, we'll give you a six-month build-out, but by the start of next year, we want full rent. Like, it's this competition that they're afraid they're going to get effed over. Like, But how do you, like, yep. put that money, how do you put that money and time into a new place? And then lunches, uh, this is not doom and gloom. We are positive about the thing. But lunches had kind of died in the city re- realistically anyway, Michael. They were very tough, prefer from certain pockets of places. But now if there's yeah. not many around, for now everyone is going to be probably open at the same time. And we're all yeah. going to be scrambling for the same people, the same yeah. cocktail hour. 
So that's going to end up reducing prices of specials and you're trying to put on this and put on that. Yeah. If the landlords don't coincide with a lot of that, and then you, we're talking you, about you, struggling you, to get staff. You know? Yeah, you also made a very good point, Johnny, earlier about the rent we all agreed, right? The rent we all agreed on was us at 150% capacity. Because yeah. I'm not even saying 100% capacity. Because if you say 100%, Let's say my, my capacity has what means is 450, right? Or at the mean fiddler, it's 300, right? Let's be honest. There was times where it was more than that, you know? That, yeah. that's, what, that's what I mean. We were always, we always had to be above capacity yeah. to make money. To be. But that's why the percentages at the moment don't make sense either. Let's say like with Westbury, say the place we were due to open. I'll use that as an example because it's an easy one to work out. Air capacity in there is 170. Realistically, Michael, apart from any time you had drama, say late at night at the fire department, nobody ever has ever come in in the 20 years I'm here and counted the people in it, unless there was an issue. But if you, say, if you say 75% even, he has to yeah. count them. You say 50, as you say, yeah. we don't survive on 75%. We, do, we need that to go away. Now, I think they are going to readdress that and kind of look at the capacity. But I know bars that their capacity is like 89. The long haul is 89 to 89 downstairs, 35 upstairs. I've mm-hmm. often had 89 of people upstairs. Yeah. But you could not buy by your fire capacity. They don't match up. So where yeah. does it go from there? Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was going to ask offices, we could go on about that. Who knows? You've talked to a lot of people. I talked to a guy yesterday that's in Tree Park Avenue. He has pre pandemic, he averaged at 2,000 people a day in the building. It's right in the corner of 34th and Park. All year now, the best he has ever he has got to is one sixty a day from two thousand, yeah. and yeah. he says Whoa. they've already seen they don't predict that change in this year. They're saying twenty two maybe, but they are seeing. You seem to talk to a lot of people like Vincent to know a lot, John Hannan, the lads at CBS and stuff. All of them are told the summer before they start coming back in pockets at yeah. best. No, yeah. no one is near the hundred percent capacity. There's no talk of that yet. There's no appetite for that. So that's going to be the biggest challenge as well. And then the summer being the summer, just to jump ahead here. You, you, go on, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, let, let's be honest. Our offices aren't going to come back until the vaccine is 70, 80% out there. So you're talking that's, that's late August, right? And then nobody's going to force anybody to come back to any office if they don't want to. Yeah. Uh, third is every single office out there is going to have to change the open plan that everybody went with in the last 10 years. If you go into any office in Manhattan, it's an open plan. So er- everything has to change in Manhattan regards the offices come back. How many offices will come back? You know, nobody knows. How many people are going to work from home? Nobody knows. But on average, if you ask me, I would say going forward, the most anybody ever is going to work in the city is three days a week. Yeah, Fridays are done. Like, you know, them type of thing. Fridays done. And are done. Yeah, we're talking about the middle-aged guy now, realist. I've talked to some younger guys now. Like, oh, we're in the city every time. Right? Yeah, but you're only yeah. in the city because you want to be in it. But realistically, yeah. Fridays are done. And then you're looking at summers even going forward. Anyone that missed out on renting a place last summer and doing everything, they're not making that mistake this summer if they can, they, they can manage it. COVID's still around. So just to really show how much we're getting effed in the city, you're standing in the city and you're looking going, there's nothing open here. But yet you know you can go out to Montauk or you can go out to the Hamptons or you can go up along Connecticut, Rhode Island into before Boston. And it's, I'm not saying it's an open season, but it's, it's like Florida. It's regulated. Like, look at Florida. You know what I mean? There's no mention of Florida on the news anymore, lads. No, it's not. It's like Florida's dropped off the map, like, you know? 
CBS Cats, devoted it. It's Cats, ridiculous. Cats, Catskills, New Paltz. Once yeah. you leave the city, you talk to any bar owner outside the city, they're going to tell you that they're up 30, 40%. That is mental. We talk, I never thought we'd be having that conversation. They're up, up 30, 40%. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Outside the and city. Then, you're t- now, what do you reckon we're down by? What do you reckon you're down by in the city? Easily. 80 to 80 to 90%. 80, 80 is at a high figure. 90% is reality. Down. And it's mad. And all of a sudden, then the other thing as well, we've been just here on records. Like, and I see, and I know I've seen you, things you've showed me that like we're trying to sympathize with landlords. But at the same time, government hasn't done anything for them either. Now, would that trickle down to us? I'd rather have a gamble on it, give my landlord something and see will he trickle down to me. But then the landlords are sitting there now. And they think we've all got 500 grand off the government. They think everyone's got this PPP loan. So all at once now, every landlord is in the same tune of going, oh, listen, I want some money now. I, I, I know one bar owner that's got his PPP loan. They're not as easy to get this time. They're not as straightforward. And plus, Michael Dorgan here, just to give you, like, if you get it, you have six months to use it. You're standing here looking at a city now and you're thinking, but it's not open. Why would I apply for it now? But you have a landlord looking for money. So if you wait two months, then you're into April. That brings you up to October, right, Michael? So you're in. The, the, yeah. These are the things you're juggling. So where does it, it – something's going to give somewhere. And the frustration for the landlord and the tenant has been driven by this governor and the mayor that they're not opening up the place and they're leaving you to fight out your battles with them. Like that guy's story earlier. It's just ridiculous. Like your man wants 100%. Yeah. Hmm. Like, 100%. Yeah. Like, fucking hell. And of course, you're Miss Yota and their tourism is, is not existent in the city. How big of an impact is that to all your bears? Uh, for me, significant. I, I rely probably 60, 70% at most locations. Me and Fiddler, you're probably talking 70% as tourists. Okay. That's 30%. also coincided with Broadway, Michael. You're talking about like people always Correct. think tourists as yeah. regards flying in and all. We're talking about yeah. the tourists even from New Jersey. Like the yeah. guy from New yeah. Jersey in Long Island. They come in for yeah. the matinee shows. They're in at the weekend. They're eating out. They're not driving yeah. in after having their dinner. It's a it's a whole event for them. Like that's yeah. even huge. Broadway, what's like at best? Broadway will be back next year. Don't see it back this year. Maybe highly unlikely, isn't it? Unless this vaccine really, you know, highly highly unlikely because it's too much to open a Broadway theater. You know, there's no yeah. money in it. Didn't they announce twenty five percent for the theaters? Yeah, but they won't open. They're they like won't. the bars. They can. Oh, see, you you don't think they'll open? It, okay. It's no, a massive union. It's yeah. a massive union thing, Michael. All that, all that, all them Broadway shows have a massive union just to organize it to get it up and running. And similar to, on a smaller scale, you open a bar, the minute you turn on the lights, you have to buy the food. You said, "I'd say, yeah." Broadway yeah. show. Broadway show is probably even worse. The minute they turn it on, it's not like they can have skeleton staff and just like, oh, you know, we close in early or everything. It's too much of a production. Did 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 your four order bars stay open throughout the pandemic, Michael? Uh, Oh, well, obviously um, it's shut for a couple of months, but did you reopen then and did you stick, keep doing outdoor oh, no. dining? No, we, 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 we've done the outdoor dining. Uh, and one, one of them, Vida Verde, doesn't have outside, doesn't have street access. So they do have a great outdoor patio, but once uh, the cold weather hit, we're not allowed to do any outdoor um, okay. festivals there. So we can't enclose anything. So Vida... Fiddler is obviously closed since we're negotiating. Vida Verde closed because they can't do uh, outdoor. And we decided to close three, two of the locations just because it didn't make any money-wise. 
Um, but we have since right now all locations are back. There's uh, five locations back open. Okay. And you uh, different experiences with different landlords for the other for the other couple or? Yeah, very very different, very different. <laughs> right now, every day that's that's my life is negotiating at the minute with the landlords and uh, you know listen. Johnny said it earlier, and I, and I say you try you try to look at it like if you're a landlord, you try to look at it as you're a tenant. And for the most part, the landlords are not seeing anything that the tenant is going through. They're still looking to make money. They're not looking to even break even, uh, even though you're you're paying their expenses, you're paying their property taxes, you're paying their insurance on the building. Uh, it's still not good enough for them. They're look they're looking to, to to get money off you as much as they can. And there's no emotion with them. There's no word about any kind of finance, another package for the bars, is there? Well, the PPP is coming through, but you have to understand. So the PPP, you're forced to give at least 60% of your PPP to, to staff, even though you're not busy. Like the first PPP that went out, I would say 50% of my money was gone because we paid, we paid staff while we were closed because they told you you had eight weeks to spend it and that was it. We're in Ireland. Every pub is given 5,000 uh, 5, a month to stay closed. Mm. Okay. And, th- and then when they got open in Ireland, originally, the government, to be fair to them, they were paying 75% of the wages. So lads were in and they only had to make up the 25%. And I, 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 I give the government credit here in the sense they tried, you know, they were trying to do the right thing, but they haven't fixed it with the second PPP loan. It's still the same. Like as Michael said, you're gonna still have to give a big majority of it to the to the staff. Fine if they're working. That's not you've no, you're not begrudging them the staff. But if the landlord and you don't get onto the same page, there won't be a tip cup. There won't be a job. So what's the point of it? It makes no difference. It doesn't it doesn't match up. Like, like there's no sense to it. The majority of our expenses is on rent and property taxes. Where if you were in a construction business you know, the majority of your money is on labor. So uh, I have construction lads that have said to me, they can't believe it. Like they're getting money to pay their staff, but meanwhile, they're still busy. Like they're they're still like, so they're getting free money. They don't have rent to pay or taxes where we're being forced. You know, if we were, we should be operating at 20%, 30% payroll and 70% rent and taxes and utilities. If that was the case, we would be breaking even, you know. It, but um, unfortunately, no, no, no bar in the city is breaking even. Everybody has lost in the last year. What do you think the reason for all this is, lads? It seems that the bars and restaurants have got a bad shake and all this. You've got your Home Depots, Costco's all open. You can go in there, do your shopping, go to your grocery store. But bars and restaurants seem to have been the hardest hit in terms of restrictions any kind of thoughts that you want to add or we can skip ahead as to as to what's what's going on I think, like it's i i think you're better off skipping ahead because all right. yeah okay. that's a, that that like that's no, well, you know, no like, well but just briefly rather than skip ahead it's pretty obvious we've mentioned it three or four times we have a governor and a mayor that are just for some reason they just focus on everything on manhattan it was all about manhattan it was all about manhattan like uh, well, what Michael said earlier, and it's true, well, as we want is fairness from each other state. We were all in different states during the summer. And I remember looking at it in Rhode Island and thinking, this is great. If they take this model now when we do open in New York, it'll be great. Why wouldn't you look at all the other states and then just run with that yep. model? They went yep. straight back to the start. No sitting at the bars, 
table separate. It was like an FU to everybody. And but they will pay the price for it anyway. We don't. You're gonna. They will pay the price for. It. But unfortunately, we're gonna pay the price for it too. Like we've been used as pawns in a political, you know, game, yeah. and it's it, and it's. But the sad part is still going on. Like you know, yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's not ended. What it are you was political. It yes. was political. I did. I, I didn't want to get say that, but it was political. Okay. Yeah, it totally was. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the state of uh, Manhattan at the moment? The Obviously, there's less people in there, and uh, crime has there's been an uptick in crime. Have you obviously you've been in there lately? What's your kind of perspective on uh, the state of Manhattan? No, 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 I see daylight ahead. I see more bodies on the street, and okay. um, I definitely see there's more of a buzz about. Uh, I've been in a good few bars, and um, you know, people want to sit inside now. All of a sudden, where before they want, everybody wanted to sit outside. Uh, that fear mongering that was going on in the media is definitely less. You don't see it in papers. You don't see it on the news as much. And it's a big thing. Like six months ago, you could not pay somebody to eat inside in New York City. Where if you went to Westchester and Long Island, everybody was eating indoors. I just thought it was a very different media that was going on. But now, the last two weeks, I've definitely seen a significant jump. Mm. And even the energy, I, the, en- the energy that- has changed. And you said it there, like you mentioned the, the, the capacity of the Haswells. Like at 25%, you used to put nearly 125 people in there. I think it's about 120 people or something. Yeah. But I remember when, when he's open first, it was still nice out. And I remember Finson saying, you couldn't get people to go inside. They were like, do you want to sit inside? They were like, no, nah, we'd wait for a table yeah. outside. And this is all driven by, like, as we know, without getting into that type of thing. But there definitely is. I was in there today. And you're definitely seeing. But, but the one thing I notice is too, especially with me, sort of with a lot of the Irish kind of community, People are dying for you to get open. They want to get out to support you more than anything, which is brilliant. Like, they really do. Mm. They're asking you on Instagram and their stuff like that. I do think there's a lot of positives ahead with the thing. The big stumbling block now, as Michael said, is if you have landlords asking you. I have a similar situation with the Westbury to what Michael has with the Mead Federal a little bit. Like, he wants to defer the rent. And, like, you're deferring rent, as Michael says. Like this guy wanted me to defer the rent and then next year to start going back to full wax straight away in January and with the money I owed him as the deferrer. I just said, sir, why don't they give you the keys now? And he's like, well, you know, I said, that is not like, are you living in the same city as me? You're in here every day. And I'm trying to be sympathetic to them to a point. But that's when you start realizing there's no give here. And no, I'm still okay with him, his manager. I get it. They're aiming high and they're trying to aim high to catch somewhere in the middle. But lads, there is a period when you see somebody aiming so high, you're thinking, is he that outrageous? Because I have it down here and he's up here. We're never going to get to here if he's that high up there. And they seem to think, as Michael says, they don't see any of the hardship or the pain. They, you know what they don't see either? They, there's a thing where they seem to think, yeah, but this could open up next year and they're going to be flying downstairs. They're going to be making loads of money. And I called my guy out and I said, well, you're nearly begrudging me if it is flying. Obviously, if we agree to something, you can live with it. I said, so yeah. whatever number we come to, you can live with it. So if I'm flying downstairs in six months time, surely you'd be happy for you and me. It did, like, it's so like, it's nearly a begrudgery thing. Yeah. Well, I said, I, I'd never agree to what your number is. And then you're, you're banking on me flying in six months. The likelihood is it's more likely going to be the other way. And I don't yeah. mind paying a Michael like you don't. I don't mind. Give me a new lease. Give me a 15-year lease. Add it on. I don't mind giving you something down the road and spreading it out to a point. But yeah, not but what's then, gone behind. You're just yeah, you're then, just going to work. You're just working but, to pay him then. But then agree to a percentage of the sales. So Yeah, if exactly. you, if you want, yeah explain that one. You, that is good. 
yeah. So, you know, the, the good the good landlords in the city, um, you know, they want to work with you. So they, they'll say to you, okay, give me 10% of your sale of your whole sales for the month, 12, 12%, 15% even. So if you're busy, they're making money. So if you're yeah. doing fifty, if you're doing fifty thousand a week, two hundred thousand a month, you know, ten percent of that is twenty grand. You know, if you're doing fifteen percent of that, you know, he, he's making money. So the, the busy you are, he's making money. So we have negotiated three deals like that. The other three, for whatever reason, won't go near it. You know, but the three the three deals that we have on the table make sense. We've done we've done it for a year, for two years. So if I'm going to be busy, if I end up doing this landlord could potentially, he'll know exactly what I'm making. So he'll know I'm not lying. So it makes sense. How will, to how, how will he know what you're making is what one landlord said to me. Because 95% of what you make now is credit cards. 5% exactly. is ta- 5% is cash. So exactly. how much cash can you hide? I can hide 1% maybe. What's 1% exactly. of the whole year? You know, exactly. the day, the days of anyone paying cash is gone, you know? Yeah. So they just feel like we're trying to get over them. Where all we're trying to do is survive. You know, yeah. we're not trying to make money. You know, we all lost money last year yeah. and we're all hoping not to lose money this year. You know, it's, it's, it's survival. Like, I don't know what the number is now. I think it's up to, is it 1,500? Is it 2,000 restaurants are gone in Manhattan at the minute? You know, and how many more are going to go out? And the strange thing is, it's not, it's not as if they're going to get someone just to, to, to fill the fill the space like look at me and fiddler there uh, the deal fell through he, he pulled out he, he couldn't get anyone to go in there so they're kind oh, of... he, 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 yeah he had it on the market you know people yeah. were calling me about it what do you think you know but he had it on the market he, he was still looking for crazy yeah. rent no nobody was going for it you know so you're looking for so the other bars you're getting so, a, a reduced listen... reduce rent and you're giving a percentage of the profits then to the land that builds trust then i, I suppose doesn't it Big time, big time. And it makes you feel like handing the keys back in the other three locations. Because if they're not willing to work with you, you know, you realize then, what am I doing here? Why am I sacrificing my life? Why, why are the partners sacrificing their life? You know, depending, like, is it worth staying in this location or are we better walking away? So that, that, unfortunately, that is the decision that a, a lot of bar owners have to make now. Are you both confident that we're over the worst? I know you can't predict the the the, the, the oh, yeah. virus, but uh, th- in terms of opening up, yeah. I think the fact that I think there'll be a massive swing here. I think there's going to be on a genuine. I think there's going to be a huge swing here, literally within the next four to six weeks. Como's under pressure, yeah. lads. Without getting into the political thing, he's under pressure. That's that's the thing. Como's under so much yeah. pressure that he has. He's to under so much up. pressure. He has to. But even even if he wasn't under pressure. At what point do you not look at this city and think, we need to get this open? Like, and obviously Biden is yeah. pushing on that angle too. Like, the, the good and bad thing about America is these terms that people are in charge for as regards to the White House. Biden has to hit the ground running here and they need to get this city. Mm-hmm. And plus, New York, America is all about ego. They want to have New York City open. But I do genuinely, lads, I could say, we'll be sitting here in six weeks and I think there'll be a massive change. I think, and I've not the basis on, I think we'll be at 50% just after Paddy's Day. I think they'll wait till after St. Patrick's Day. They'll go to 50%. They'll see how it's going and start working into it. The city's not going to be that busy during the summer. We're all just going to hold on. And we're hoping for a good fall. You're hoping that people are back in around the city by mid-September to October. And I think by this time next year, we'll be, I'm not saying we won't be talking COVID, but there, 
when this thing does fully lift and stuff, I think there will be a mad surge and there will. Like you think of tourism, you imagine a guy in Ireland there now and if they start freeing it up. Did you see in England today, there were like 700% of like pe- the amount of people that are booking foreign holidays for after the 21st of June and all this type mad numbers. It's going to be the same. The airlines are under pressure. They're going to be giving deals. I do think we don't want this whole podcast to be doom and gloom. I do think that if genuinely, if me and Michael were sitting here and his landlords and my landlord was working with us and we were, we wouldn't be that bad then. Our biggest concern would be staff. And I'd yep. love to have that problem right now. I'd love staff to be the only problem where his yep. anxiety when he wakes up every morning and he reaches over for the phone and he's worried to see who's text or who's email and call. If you put all them to bed, you'd sleep like a baby. It would be great. Personally, I have no problems with it, lads. I never had a problem with it. I went straight to Newport. I never had a problem. I was like, in the early days, I was like, oh, there's any chance to get another one of these pandemics in about four years. But then when you end up, but when you start sitting here then in September, October, and you're looking and going, it's not like, but we always felt after the election and the vaccine that America will roll it out. And I do think by the end of the summer, and again, I mentioned there are regulars, people there, People will be fucking go out of their way to come in and support you. And that it's, do you know what it is, Michael? Isn't it like reopening? Like you remember your anxiety when you first opened. Absolutely. You were terrified that night. Now, in your case, you're yeah. going to be trying to open probably, please God, five or six of them. So you'll have yeah. all that anxiety. But that's what it's yeah. like. Where's the customers coming from? Where are they coming from? But lads, we will. We'll get there. And I think sooner than we think even, I think we'll be get there. No, I think people are ready. I think uh, we're, 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 you know, it's, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit, you know. We, we like to be around other people. And I think like COVID has made people realize, you know, I want to be around people. Like, listen, yeah, I'm sure. at home. You know, it's not natural. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we, we, we want to go out and I've really seen a change in the city in the last couple of weeks. Like that nervousness that people used to be afraid of. Yeah, listen, you still got to have the protocols. You still got to yeah. have your mask. Still got to have your temperature. Tip. But people definitely are more now definitely putting themselves out there more do you want to go out to dinner do you want to be around people people of energy people like if you sit at home in your let's be honest if you're sitting at home in your living room you you, you don't get that energy you don't get that contact no it rolls into the next day the other stuff and stuff you are right new york's not designed new york jerry seinfeld does a great sketch in his stand about it he says everyone is obsessed with getting into new york Got to get into New York. Got to get an apartment. Get into the West Village. Got to get an apartment. Get your phone to fill up the apartment. Got to get in there. He said, the minute you get the apartment, you go in, you sit in there the first night, you say, got to get out. Got to go out. Got to go to pub. Got to go to a restaurant. That is what New York is built on. It is Absolutely. true. Like it's that. Yeah. You, the reason people go live in the city, it's not so they can live in the city. It's so they can walk out the door, walk down the road and go to their favorite Italian restaurant and go for a yeah. few drinks and walk back up the road. That It's not yeah. for their view. It's not. It's the bonus of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people try for that, you know. Like, like you said, John, you walk into that Italian restaurant. You like the noise. You like you like the hustle. You, you like the yeah. energy. You, you like the clatter of plates. You you, you you like somebody yelling. You know, people. That's why people go out to eat. Yeah, could you make a dinner at home? Yeah, you could, but that's not the reason. You go out. You go out for that atmosphere. I think perspectives here have definitely changed over the last couple of weeks and months compared to. I know you're probably ringing home and that. But like here, you can go. To, you can go to Jersey. You can go to Connecticut. You can go to Newport, as you say, and they're doing it differently. Whereas at home in Ireland, I know bringing it home, they're just it's, it's diff- definitely a different outlook on the virus at home, and they're all just 
staying at home, uh, uh, not saying either, either is right or wrong, but there's definitely a prospective change has occurred here in the city in the last couple of weeks. Well, it's a different world. Yeah. We have vaccines. We have better testing. You know, Ireland is, you know, not to say a thousand years behind, but they are a thousand years behind. America, well, America certainly, certainly have in the last month. They've like, it's like they've just gone totally backwards. And they're looking yeah. at the UK. And like, you can talk about Ireland, the frustration level. I know you'd be on to home or you're looking on, online and stuff. You can feel Ireland just simmer. You can just feel oh. people at breaking point. Like we're sitting here and we're more having a go of the way they've handled Manhattan. If yep. all the other places we mentioned are open, they've handled it fine. We've just been left behind. As you said, Michael, in Ireland overall, there's nearly resentment, even though we're famous for it. There's nearly resentment at home from the government to the, social, to the, um, the, the service industry. It's nearly like, don't worry about them. F, they're not the biggest concern. Meanwhile, it's our biggest, one of our biggest tourist attractions. It's what we're most well known for, whether it's a stereotype or not. Yeah. And they've just totally left them. And it, it doesn't seem like there's talk that they won't open in Ireland this year, as in they might have an outdoor come July, outdoor yeah. seating. And they, and they might not, unless the vaccine picks up pace, they might not open indoor this, this, this year in Ireland. That's ridiculous. Michael, we'll let you go there in a second, Michael. Just one last thing, Johnny. We'll, we'll make sure that, keep, that people listen to the end of this, this podcast. What's the story with the long haul opening? Uh, have you any date in mind? Is it going to be after the summer or what's, what's the, the story with the long well, haul? Well, the funny thing is, like, uh, I listened to Michael there about his the three landlords and then the other three and stuff like that. It's all relevant to how good. Now, this is not entirely evident. A lot of it, when you hear a fella got a great deal, you can just be pretty much 100% sure that landlord has a good mortgage. I've got a great deal in the long haul. Like, I'm not, I'm not under pressure to open there at all. Not, not at all. I, the only reason I'm closed at the moment is because there was, as part of the deal, there was a big plumbing job that there was an issue with. And we were always arguing when we were open whose fault was it and blah, blah, blah. So the landlord asked us to fix it and then he'd give us this great deal. It's worked out really well for us. Okay. Turns out it wasn't as big a job as we thought. So, but what I'm going to do, um, Actually, be, see what you think, Michael. And we're it, getting back to the staff thing. What yeah. I'm going to do is open. What I'm going to do is open the Westbury, and take the sort of same model from the long haul, just to get myself going. So I'll bring Chris, Paul, and any staff that's still available that we have, and open the Westbury with that. And I'll, I physically won't be able to open the long haul till probably April at the earliest, anyway, because I need the weather to get better to do the plumbing job. So. At least I don't have that anxiety. Like the biggest thing we're talking about, yeah, the biggest thing we're talking about here is uh, is staff, and we're probably everyone listening to that is probably thinking waitresses and bartenders and stuff. That Michael and I can bartend, we can bus, we can do all that stuff. It's these lads in the kitchen. They're yeah. what makes the place tick. They're what makes it run. I couldn't care. I'd fall out and have arguments with bartenders and waitresses. I never have arguments with the lads in the kitchen. A, they don't understand me and I don't understand them. But I can't make the chicken curry. Like, you know what I mean? He can make the chicken curry. So my whole thing is to bring them lads back, I'll bring them to the Westbury. And then with time, gradually, as I said earlier, we don't know how much we're going to be open, any of us. Like, are we going to be lunches? Are we going to be evening? So you would lovely, ideally, to have lads a couple of nights in one place and, and max, you know, share them around. But they are the forgotten ones in this story a lot of the time. Like, yeah. not to go on about it, but like a lot of us and any of us that are in a decent situation, the government have been decent with us as regards welfare and dole. Yeah. Look at these people that have gone to zero, making nothing, nothing. Yep. Can you imagine the anxiety of that? I, two, two of my lads have young families. One of them yep. went in construction, so he might not even come back. How am I going to ask him to come back and work if I can't pay him full wages? 
And he's yeah, in construction I, now, getting full wages. I think I actually wrote a note here to myself. I actually says, uh, the people that were forgotten were the undocumented who we all know pay taxes, pay taxes on a weekly basis. It goes into a six billion dollar a year government slush fund, but they're the forgotten, they're the forgotten people. And yeah. yeah. So the hardest thing in my business is staff. You've lost so many staff who will never come back to this industry. Most have gone into construction, healthcare, or companies even like Amazon. They'll never return to work on weekends, holidays, or nights. Yeah, it's so true. It's because it's such a vulnerable industry now. Like when you were a kid growing up, you were always told, oh, if you're working in a bar or a restaurant, people are always going to need to eat and they were going to drink. And I never heard the word pandemic for this time bleeding last year. If it did, it went over my head. Like, yeah. But now all of a sudden, and even going forward, people are going to be thinking, like every one of us are renegotiating our lease. I bet you every fellow's down there, just right in pandemic there. If another pandemic hits, and the landlord's like, fuck off. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's a reality not, now. Not a chance of really letting you put that in. No. When are you going to open? Yeah. The, when are you going to give us some dates, Johnny? If you can. Sorry, um, I'm hopefully going to open the West Friday, same time Michael said around the mean fiddler. If oh, we assume we're all assuming Paddy's Day is cancelled, right? As in the parade. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, so we're all thinking, oh, it'd be nice to be open for Paddy's Day. But if this mayor gives us fifty percent before Paddy's Day, he fucking he's he's dumber than I thought he is. So I don't see that happening. <laughs> So it's 35%. So in an ideal terms, I don't have much to do in the Westbury. A couple of little things to put in, one or two things. It's more of a clean job. We were in there today. So probably get Steve-O, Stephen Doyle in to do so a little bit of work, and then I'm ready to go. So I'm looking at the weekend before St. Paddy's Day is the plan. But I'm away that week, so I'm not sure. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> the golf club's there behind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what tournament's on the week? The Players' Championship, are you? <laughs> so, Mark, yeah, you can fill in for Tiger. For, uh... <laughs> oh, that's a long blow. <laughs> so, so yeah. Mar- March, maybe, for the Westbury and the long haul? Um, at the earliest. I've, I've, I've no desire to open it till May, April, May. I've, like, I've been because no, the capacity no is too small. I have a good deal there, I'll be honest. I don't mind saying it. I don't have to pay rent. I don't have to pay half of my rent till August. So I'm under no pressure to. So I'll be able to gauge the city. Where, listen, I would love to be sitting here and saying I needed to open the long haul. I have a good loyal customer base through Instagram. I've seen people text me and all. If I put up on that, like we're opening the Westbury on 38th Street, lads, we, I'll get that. That Irish people will kind of go over. And then hopefully open the long haul, then come say May, April, May. And hopefully then there's enough people around. But you know what? We'll see. It'd be nice to have that problem. Green shoots, lads. Green shoots. <laughs> do you know the other thing I just wanted to say Michael you can cut this out if you want but it's funny like it's just it, the one thing I did notice as well I was talking to Finston earlier on Michael the lack of yellow cabs and stuff in the city because there's nobody around right mm-hmm. so over the over the weekend there Michael I know you were in around the city or one of the weekends or something like that yeah Finston's telling me like $50 him and one of the cooks going home $50 in an Uber back to Woodside because the Ubers are charging such a surge because there's no yellow cabs in the city these are the little things so he's telling that to a customer on the Saturday night and he's saying it to her, he's outraged. And she showed him her phone, $70 for an Uber from the Upper East Side to Haswell's. Now, I know the weather was off a little, but because there's no taxis in the city, now the ones that are there are just putting the surcharge on it. And these are the things we need to reverse. We need the media to stop talking about someone with mental health that has stabbed three people on the train. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, I do want to know that, but I don't need it to be scaremongering constantly on the news. And then they'd say some fella stabbed them. 
next thing it comes up, the guy has mental issues. Like, you, what did the police say yesterday? They're, they're not going to respond to any phone calls with people with mental issues that are because they, they're sick of it now at this point as well. So, but I think, so on a pause, the finish on a pause, I think the city won't be long about flipping that, lads. As much as they, they turn the tap on to let the city burn down, for we all know why. Yeah. It mm-hmm. won't be. It won't take long for them to flip it around and start, yeah. start off like that. You know. I agree. Yeah. Michael, thanks very much right, for your boys. help or for your yeah. for, for coming. Pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, lads. That was brilliant. Really enjoyed yeah. it. Thanks very, very much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll all see right, you soon. And that's all for this week. Let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast. You can check out all of our previous shows on thelonghaulpodcast.com, including our last episode on the New York bar industry with Cormac McCormack, interviews with Irish Central founder Neil O'Dowd, real estate broker Shane Boyle, and of course, the hugely important podcast about the potential sale of the American Irish Historical Society building on Fifth Avenue. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast. This will ensure that we can get more podcasts to you more often.